Hello again, Facebook viewers, and welcome to Tomorrow's World Now, TW Now. Greetings from Charlotte, North Carolina, to wherever you are all around the world. We're happy to have many of you back, and if you're just joining for the first time, warm welcome. We're glad to have you here. So today, we have a very special program. This is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a time that we keep every year according to the Hebrew calendar. And we're going to talk about Passover. We're going to talk about Easter and some other things related to Jesus Christ, because this is a very important time in his plan. And remember, if you're tuning in, wherever you are, you can be part of this message. Please, on Facebook, share this video. If you see it later on YouTube, share this video. You're part of getting this message out, and we depend on you to help us to get this message out. So please, wherever you are, click on that share video, click on that Facebook like, and we'd be very much appreciative if you did that. So today we do have a very special program. Our host, Mr. Wyatt Soselka, pastor of the Living Church of God, will be interviewing Mr. Gerald Weston, who is an evangelist in the Living Church of God, and Mr. Wally Smith, also a pastor in the Living Church of God. So it's great to have you here. We're going to pass it on into the studio to our host, Mr. Soselka. Well, hello, everybody out there in Facebook land. Uh, great to be with you again. I'm here with Mr. Weston and Mr. Smith. Good to have them on the set today. Uh, we have a good show today. We're going to talk about uh, Passover and Easter and also talk about a movie that has recently come out, uh, which I think you all will enjoy hearing uh, that conversation, uh, The Case for Christ. Uh, before we get into the program, I want to remind you uh, what Dylan said to please share the link on Facebook with your friends. That really helps. And I also want to remind you that you can uh, type a comment, a question. We, we cannot promise to uh, read them all or answer them all live, but we, we will read them uh, at some point. And possibly a question or comment might come through to us uh, you know, if, if we can. So we, we do want you to uh, let us know how you are enjoying the show and if there's any questions you have about the topics, and we will do our best to answer. But before we get into the show, a uh, couple uh, people asked, why are we wearing these really fancy headsets? And there is a reason for it, um, so I thought we would actually throw it back to Dylan, our producer and director, and uh, let him maybe add a, 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 some information about why we're using the headsets, because mm. there, there's a reason for it. Mm. Yeah, Mr. C, we, we do have these headsets on uh, in here in the studio and also on our set. Uh, it's sort of a radio show, even though we're live on Facebook and, and on YouTube as well. But we all need to communicate from different places. And it is our eventual plan to be able to Skype in. And probably people who are listening know what Skype is. But it's a way to video call with people all around the world, different people and different guests from different places in the world. Because we do have a ministry that is absolutely worldwide. We're in South America. We're in Central America. We're in parts of Asia. We're in Europe. We're in Africa. We're really all over the world. So this church has a lot of people around the world that represent Jesus Christ. And we do want to someday be able to bring in these experts and people from all around the world. And in order to be able to hear them all, we need to have headsets so that we can communicate from different places in the world. Well, that's really good to hear. I know uh, the people talking to me out there who've been watching the program, they've asked the same question. Why are we wearing the, the, the headphones? And I figured it was one of two reasons. Either one, it enhances our natural good looks. I mean, you know, take a look, folks. And then uh, <laughs> also because it, it appeals to the nerd section of the audience. And we definitely want to preach the gospel to, you know, nerds as well. 
Uh, you know, I, it's, it's a good question because I've been asked that same question. And, and uh, I always tell people that uh, the reason is because Dylan went out and bought them. And uh, that's a story that I'm sticking with. Uh, he couldn't afford the really expensive ones. You know, some of the programs have these invisible ones. And you right. see them, they're always adjusting them, trying to get it working right. But uh, those are quite a bit more expensive. So we've taken the cheaper route. Now, I have to say that I hope that nobody decides that they're going to, oh, I'm going to donate for that cause. But please don't do so, anybody out there, because we uh, we want to make sure we have the right equipment. And, and we kind of like these. They they, they kind of look cool. They're very comfortable. Yeah, they're, and yeah. warm. So, you they know, are. Yeah. I'm going to wear them warm. <laughs> Even after we leave the program, I'm going to keep right. mine on. It's they, really very they fashionable. Al they also help in the studio there, which we like to keep at a, a, a very low 60 degrees or so. So you could think of them as a pair of earmuffs. Yes. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into the program, but that is, those are some of the reasons and um, something uh, for you all to be aware of. We hope that we'll be able to Skype people in from around the world in the future, and and uh, we've really um, got some uh, some plans that we'd like to to execute on in the, in the future for the show. So that's another reason for the headsets. Uh, Easter is coming up. Um, I'll read a quote uh, from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, now, we in, in God's church, we don't celebrate Easter. We, we observe Passover. But Easter is something that uh, billions of people out there are, are looking forward to. And uh, U.S. News and World Report uh, has a little article, that, and, and the, the title is Why is Easter Called Easter and Other Facts About the Holiday? And uh, in that article, they mention the naming of the celebration as Easter seems to go back to the name of a pre-Christian goddess. That's interesting, pre Christian goddess uh, named Ostre or Istre, uh, who was celebrated at the beginning of the spring. Now, that pre-Christian goddess um, is what the, uh, the, 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 the holiday is named after, and it's going to generate about $18.4 billion in uh, spending in the United States alone, also according to uh, another report from NBC News, from NBC News. So quite a big uh, celebration. Uh, as we go into the, the, the conversation today, uh, let's just uh, maybe throw out on the table, why is Easter so big? And uh, is this something that, um, that we, should, we should be involved in? Right. One thing I w I'd like to mention just real quickly is I think it's good that we focus on the name Easter because it's such an obvious indication. I've heard it debated on the Internet. But even uh, Albert Moeller, uh, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I heard him on his own podcast admit that a lot of these things come from paganism. For our uh, uh, non-American viewers out there, sometimes they'll say, well, we don't call it Easter. We call it Pasha or something derived from Passover. That doesn't change the fact. It's still rooted in pagan origins and, and, and pagan practices. It's just that in English, the name Easter just makes it that much more obvious. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that we, we really ought to think about. Why would you have the most important Christian holiday, so-called Christian right. holiday, named after a pagan goddess? Right. I mean, that, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And, and it ought to cause people to stop and think, well, what, where is this coming from? Right. And then you have eggs and you've got rabbits and, of course, they're fertility symbols. And the egg really goes back to... Uh, a, a legend that an egg fell from heaven into the Euphrates River and opened up, and and the goddess popped out. So uh, very realistic. And you know, then the idea that rabbits are laying eggs. You know, this is something that hits home to me very close because my uncle George, who I talk about a lot of times, was an atheist, 
And one of the reasons, in fact, the reason he said he began to, to uh, question Christianity was when his mother, which would be my grandmother, told him to look for the, rab the eggs lab, yeah, the eggs the <laughs> rabbits laid. And he said he really did look, and he came back in, and he, uh, when he didn't find any, and, and he looked up at, at uh, his mother, and he said, Mother, you lied to me. Wow. Rabbits don't lay eggs. He wow. said, that's when I began to question religion. He was five years old at the time. See, I think that's one thing that, that people don't focus on enough. These kind of stories that people say, well, it's fun to tell them to children. I, I've seen articles as well that talk about how it has been the seed of disbelief for some people, even Santa Claus. When they finally discover something's not true, and they start to say, well, what else are you lying about? You know, I've never seen this Jesus guy. Maybe he doesn't exist either. Those things make a real difference. It's not just a matter of whether it's fun or not. They make a real impact in people's lives. Mm -hmm. They do. Mm -hmm. When people, uh, especially children, but when, when people in general see, you know, hypocrisy and, and things don't add up, and essentially what we're talking about here, we're talking about untruths, we're talking about lies, it, it can undermine faith. And I think that's uh, one of the, the mm -hmm. biggest, um, one, one of the many faults with Easter and, and you know, these, these celebrations is that it, it can undermine people's faith in the Bible. Is there even a real God? I want to follow up on the, the eggs uh, comment you made. Uh, in preparing for the show, we, we came across a New York Times article. It's um, uh, fairly recent, but um, what it's talking about is uh, the new uh, Trump White House, and they were preparing for the, the annual Easter egg celebration. And uh, I just want to bring out a quote from this article. Um, th this quote is by the, uh, one of the past um, White House visitors office directors. Uh, this is a past person. I won't give um, uh, her name, but under, under a past president. And this is from a New York Times article. And she said the following. Uh, it, referring to the Easter egg, you know, thing at the White House, it's the single most high-profile event that takes place at the White House each year. Now, I don't know if that's really the case, but the single most high-profile event that takes place at the White House each year. And the White House and the First Lady are judged on how well they put it on, said this person, mm -hmm. who organized eight years of Easter egg rolls as the director of White House visitors, you know, office under previous uh, president. One more uh, uh, sentence. Uh, she said, I'm really concerned for the Trump people because they have failed to fill some really vital posts. And this this thing is all hands on deck, referring to how big, you know, this needed to be. So what you've got is somebody saying, look, uh, in the United States of America, we have the, 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 the president's house, the, the seat of the executive branch of government. And this is it. Nothing's bigger than this. Um, is that... <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's, you know, what's, uh, what, what, what is, um, you know, what, 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 what is, is wrong with our, our nation? It, should this be the biggest event? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, in, in all of that, all about the, the rolling of the eggs on the lawn and so forth, there, there's not a word there about the supposed meaning of the day, which is the, the birth, or not the birth, the resurrection of Christ. Uh, and we know that that's not exactly true either, but uh, in, in terms of, of when it occurred and so forth. But, but why would that be such a, a big thing in our society? We've even gotten to the place where eggs uh, are so symbolic for this day that Cadbury uh, right now is in a little bit of trouble because they left Easter off of some of the packaging material. And uh, there are those who are trying to get the name Easter, which is a pagan goddess, out of Christianity or right. out of a Christian holiday, and nothing adds up here. It's right. just craziness. Right. You know, the, the Cadbury thing is really interesting. 
because I've, I've heard of the discussion about that. Last year, if I recall, Cadbury took the name Easter off the front of the packages, but they still got in trouble, and they said, no, no, it's on the back. Take a look at the back. It's still there. Well, this year, it's not anywhere on there, and Cadbury has explicitly said they want to make sure that people of all cultures and faiths are willing to enjoy their seasonal treats the way they put them. And on one hand, that sounds like a, a great controversy. And Cadbury's, I think, comes from England, right? Is it, it's a British company, I think. I think so. I'm not sure. Okay. I, I came across an old article that, that I'd heard about. It was a survey done in 2002 uh, concerning the Church of England, their clergy. They have some very liberal clergy that believe a lot of different things. And it was a survey voluntarily done of a couple of thousand of clergymen from the Church of England. And it pointed this out. This is from The Telegraph in uh, July 31st, 2002. A third of Church of England clergy doubt or disbelieve in the physical resurrection and only half are convinced of the truth of the virgin birth. To me, there's bigger issues. What, what should we expect of a secular culture to include words and such like this when even the religious people uh, that are supposed to be the people you look up to don't even actually believe the things they're supposedly teaching? Uh, to me, the White House celebration is something it's it stayed. It's uh, it's not really a religious celebration because those things don't really matter to anybody anymore. I, I think I'm surprised the pardoning of the turkey at Thanksgiving isn't a bigger <laughs> event. I, sounds more exciting to me, frankly. Well, why why is Easter even um, celebrated on that particular Sunday in the first place? I mean, that's a, a question. You know, I think we all um, probably. A lot of people, maybe if you're lactose intolerant or you don't like chocolate, then, you know, I think a lot of people like chocolate. Okay, nothing wrong with chocolate. Um, it's not the chocolate egg that is the problem. It's what it represents. Um, we, we are Christians. We, we are thankful for Jesus Christ as our Lord, our Savior, our High Priest. You know, we, we worship him. Um, but why is Easter celebrated on Sunday, on that particular mm -hmm. Sunday? Why are there little chocolate eggs and Easter bunnies? I think people need to ask some questions. And um, maybe later in the program, we'll, you know, we'll turn to scripture too. But the Bible's pretty clear about, you know, you have to worship God. God wants you to worship him in a certain way, not, you know, not how you, how you want to. Um, here's a quote from um, another U.S. News and World Report article. Uh, seems like they're... Uh, popular on today's show. And this is about, um, uh, it, it brings out why Christians celebrate Easter on the particular Sunday. Uh, it says this Sunday, April 16th, Christians will be celebrating Easter. Uh, and it, it says the day on which the resurrection of Jesus is said to have taken place, which I want to come back to that in a, in a minute, but that's, you know, he was not resurrected on Sunday. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but uh, moving down through the article, interesting quote on uh, another page here. It says, um, in AD 325, 325, the Emperor Constantine. So why is Easter celebrated on this particular Sunday? Here's the answer, not from you know, me or you, but here's the answer from you know, secular history. In AD 325, the Emperor Constantine, who favored Christianity, convened a meeting of Christian leaders to resolve disputes at the Council of Nicaea, and uh, the most fateful of its decisions was about the statutes of Christ, whom the council recognizes fully human and fully divine. Uh, continuing, this council also resolved that Easter should be fixed on a Sunday, not on day 14 of the month of Nisan. So without getting too deep into all the theology, basically what U.S. News and World Report is saying, and this is, you know, this is correct, is that the emperor said, look, we're going to put it on the Sunday. But it wasn't always on 
that Sunday. It was on a certain date, date on the Hebrew calendar. And um, so it concludes, as a result, Easter is now celebrated on the first Sunday after the full moon of the vernal equinox. Um, what would you gentlemen want to add about, you know, the, the, maybe some of the dates and, and, or the, the dating and, and, you know, when we should celebrate, you know, what should we celebrate, when should we celebrate regarding Christ's, you know, Christ's death and his resurrection? Well, you know, I, I think that it, it points out uh, the reality that so much of Christianity, as it's called today, is based on lies. And that, that's, uh, that sounds very harsh, I understand. But it really is based on lies. You know, the eggs, the rabbits, all this type of thing, even the, the crucifixion itself, even the report, if I understood that correctly, was a little bit off. Uh, the 14th was the, the Passover day. That was the day that Christ was crucified. The resurrection took place three days and three nights later. And even the Bible is very clear on... Oh, sorry, folks. Live television. <laughs> I didn't turn my phone off. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, Jesus said he, the only sign he would give would be that he would be three days and three nights in the, the, uh, the heart of the earth. Uh, he would be in the grave that period of time. And no matter how you try it, from... Friday afternoon, late afternoon till Sunday morning, you only get about a day and a half. At the very best, you could get two nights and, and parts of three days, but you can't get three days and three nights. And there are those who say, well, that expression really could mean any parts of. But the problem is, he said that it was as a sign of Jonah. So you go right. back to the Hebrew, and the Hebrew is very specific. When it says three days and three nights, that's exactly what it means. So this is just part of the, the entire lie. And in Christianity today, uh, as it's called, tradition trumps truth every time. Actually, Mr. Weston may be too modest to point it out, but I will point out that he has a booklet on the topic that he's authored for us called Easter, the Untold Story. And actually, the telecast, I think this weekend, is that right? The telecast this weekend is Easter, the Untold Story as well. And watch that. You think we're handsome now. You watch us on the telecast. Anyway, uh, Easter, the Untold Story, just... He does an excellent job in this book of breaking it down and just exposing the story that's told out there that is the basis of so much of what Christians believe in the modern day is completely baseless. There is a truth behind it all, but it's hidden by so many other things. And I've known people, and you probably have too, we've, we've all pastored in the field, where that was when the light went on for some people. When they started counting between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and they can't fit three days and three nights in. And the moment you're open up to another possibility that's not what you hear in the world, but is what the Bible says, then so many other things start to click. And then you start to ask, well, if they're not being upfront about this, what else, what else is different? And th this show is not, uh, we're not usually going to get deep, deep, deep into, into theology, deep into scripture, but... Uh, Matthew uh, 12, verse 38. I won't read it all, but for those of you at home, if you have a Bible handy or online, uh, go read Matthew 12, verse 38 through 40, and uh, Jesus Christ explained what the sign of his Messiahship is, and he was very clear, three days and three nights in the tomb, as Jonah was three days, three nights in the fish. So not two days and two nights, or two days and a half of something, three days three nights. And the Bible also clarifies that a day is 12 hours and a night is 12 hours. So you, you need three full days and three full nights. Um, so, you know, back to the whole Easter Sunday and the particular uh, Sunday that Constantine picked, 
Um, that's not from the Bible. So if, if we want to, you know, worship Christ, um, I think we should ask if we're worshiping him based on, on the Bible or if it's just something that somebody made up uh, 1,700 years ago. Right. That's the kind of stuff that comes to my mind with, when you have Albert Moeller and some others who will say, well, these things, they're pagan, but they're so old. The Bible is really clear. Don't add to what I've told you to do. Do these things. Don't make up your own things. I actually give you things to do. Yeah, you know, um, when you, you go to the scriptures in the Old Testament, I realize it's the Old Testament, and some people just disregard that altogether. But he says, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. In other words, the way that the heathens do. For every abomination of the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. Whatever I command you to do, uh, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. But we, uh, Christianity does that all the time. And right. part of the problem that we have as far as the date of the resurrection is that people simply do not read the scriptures carefully because it shows that the women rested and then they bought spices and then they prepared spices and then they rested on the Sabbath. Right. And very clearly, the only way you can harmonize those scriptures is to find two Sabbath days that, that particular week. And it's very easy to understand if you, you keep the holy days, the annual holy days, the first day of unleavened bread is a high day. And that's what it says there in John 19.31. Uh, it says, for that Sabbath was a high day. Right. I Actually, uh, when I was out in the field in Ohio, there was a... Uh, a uh, a Baptist preacher, I think it was a Baptist preacher, but he heard from a friend that, that I had some information about the resurrection, the timing, because he was starting to question the very same things. He couldn't make the Bible fit Good Friday, you know, Easter Sunday. So he asked his friend if I would meet him at a, uh, a coffee shop. Well, I shouldn't say the name of the coffee shop. They're not a sponsor of our program, but it rhymes with Schmarbucks. And anyway, we met there, and I, I made that very point. How do you reconcile these two verses if you don't recognize there's not two Sabbaths that week? And when you read John, and it clearly says that one was a high day versus the other one, it says this was a Sabbath that's the commandment Sabbath from the Ten Commandments. It was like a light went off, and he actually changed his, his sermon for that week based on that. It was just clear when you look at it. And you can't prepare the spices before you buy them. That's exactly right. And uh, so it, it, it's the only way to harmonize the scriptures. Well, and um, we have a question from – we've got actually a number of people on our Facebook page are saying hello. And I want to get to uh, an actual comment. But we've got hellos from South Africa, from Alberta, from all over the place. So hello to, uh, to you all. Uh, if you have a question, you know, please throw it in there. But uh, somebody asked about, um, you know, they said, hey, this is an interesting conversation. Um, how does this sort of, you know, affect the fact that basically most of Christians worship God on Sunday? You know, interesting, uh, interesting conversation. It, basically, the, the, the person was saying, look, uh, it, hey, you guys are saying Christ wasn't resurrected on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But if, if I'm reading his comment the way I think what he's, he's trying to ask, he's saying, oh, isn't, that, isn't Sunday when Christians worship God? Right. And you're telling us that Christ wasn't. Well, uh, yeah, that's what we're saying. We're saying that Christ wasn't resurrected on Sunday. And, and I think, you, you know, you may be in for a little more of a shock with what I'll ask. Mr. Weston or Mr. Smith to, to follow up uh, with regarding what day we, we do worship. Uh, it's, it's an honest question. It's a good mm -hmm. question. It is. So, well, you, you have the Ten Commandments, and people are always supporting the Ten Commandments. If you take them off a monument, you've got all kinds of people protesting. But those very same people are, are the ones who say that the law is done away with, that we don't have to keep it. And there, there's a, I like to call it this way, a dirty little secret. They try to do away with Ten Commandments so they can get 
around just one of them, and that is the Sabbath commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it specifically says the seventh day. And the seventh day of the week is Friday night sunset to Saturday sunset. That's just, uh, I mean, we get into a lot of technicalities there, but that that is, is clearly the case. And that's why people think that Christ was resurrected on Sunday, because they knew that Friday is a preparation day. They just didn't understand that there are two Sabbaths there. But they, they know he was put in the tomb right before a Sabbath. And so they think and that okay. Sabbath had a preparation day as well to get that's ready. Right. That's right. That's um, right. We, we probably, great conversation. Um, what I should probably do is, is tell our audience that if you have questions about this, go to tomorrowsworld.org mm-hmm. and just type in Easter or type in resurrection and all kinds of booklets. And, and you know, I, I'll grab this booklet right here. But, you know, here's. Um, a booklet you can read online. Right. So do do your own study, um, yeah. and you know we've got a lot of material on the on the website. Yeah, and I would you encourage could, you to be to be brave. Uh, if you're asking questions out there, these are good questions to ask. They're the right questions to ask. And John four, when Jesus Christ is talking to the woman at the well, he gives her credit for trying to worship, but he points out you worship what you don't know. But God is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's trying to find some that are actually willing to ask new questions and respond to those questions. And, uh, you know, hopefully some of our listeners will. Yeah, before we get away from this, I I just wanted to answer that question because I'm not sure we did. Uh, He was talking about Sunday and and how it is affected by it. One of the greatest justifications that the people have is that that's why we keep Sunday, because that's when Christ was resurrected. And if that falls apart, then that justification uh, falls with Mm -hmm. it. And uh, there's really not much else that they can go to because the Bible is so explicit about uh, the day that we should be worshiping. Right, right. No, so uh, exactly, exactly. The Bible is explicit. The Ten Commandments are, are pretty explicit. Do we, um, are we willing to ask the hard questions and then, frankly, follow the evidence where it leads us? And right. that is a good transition to our last point. Did yeah. you hear that segue Mr. Sasaka <laughs> just did? How impressive. All right. So um, interesting movie that, that came out. And I've not seen it yet, um, but I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, it's hard to get away and take time. But I know that um, I know, Mr. Smith, you actually mm-hmm. uh, did go see it. And I, and, uh, I think it's probably, you know, maybe worth talking about a little bit. Uh, the case for Christ, the case for Christ. So um, maybe instead of me taking time to introduce it, because we're, we're starting to you know, run toward where, okay. you know, the, our time limit. Why don't you introduce the, the movie, talk about it a little, just a little bit, set sure. it up for those who haven't seen it, don't know what I'm talking about. And I have a couple questions if, if sure. we have the time. Sure, so. you bet. Uh, so it's a movie out. It's, some of you may have read the book by Lee Strobel, actually called The Case for Christ. And I actually had the chance to see uh, Mr. Lee Strobel and his wife, Leslie Strobel, introduce the movie at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention recently. Actually, Mr. Sizelk and I were both at the convention. And they had a, a preview version, which was almost final, but then I saw the, no, the final just last night. And essentially, it is a tale. It's based on the true story of Mr. Strobel, who was an investigative journalist whose wife became a quote-unquote born-again Christian. But he was an atheist. They were generally atheistic. And it just completely challenges him because it begins to bother him in his marriage. He couldn't fathom having a wife that believed what he thought was this fantasy about Christ's resurrection. And so consequently, he poured his investigative journalist skills into investigating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hoping to disprove it, hoping to just completely debunk it and show it as nothing. And then the, the film uh, just dramatizes that search of his based on actual, the actual account. He said at the uh, convention that about 85% of it is actually a very good reflection of 
of their life and, and what they experience in that research. Now, what is some of the evidence that he produced? I mean, we don't have time to go into all right. of it, but what, what's some of the evidence that he presented? Well, various different things. Uh, one, what he did was he, he, he sought out experts in various fields, and he, he was essentially trying to attack it, so it was structured based on the attacks he was trying to make. He tried to invalidate the historical documents, uh, the documents of the Bible, not treating them even as something inspired, but even as history. He wasn't able to do that. Actually, an expert told him there's more evidence for these, at least as historical documents, than even Homer's Iliad and other things. Uh, he tried to investigate it from the perspective of uh, did Jesus Christ perhaps survive the crucifixion and what the disciples saw later was just simply him surviving his wounds but talks to a medical doctor who says absolutely not that if a doctor who reads that account recognizes this is a crucified man with a zero percent probability one of my favorite lines is where uh, where Lee Strobel the character in the movie at least asked the doctor well you know the Roman soldiers weren't doctors maybe they didn't realize he was still alive and the doctor retorts no they were trained professional killers uh, it was their job to make sure he was dead and if he they did make sure he was dead they would have taken his place and would have been punished so over the course of the film it depicts his realization that the evidence the weight of the evidence is that this man really did live and die and was resurrected as he claimed he would be now, speaking of, you know, of evidence, something we talked about a little bit uh, before the, the show, mm -hmm. um, you know, Mr. Strobel is producing, from what I've read, because I've read a couple of reviews, and, but he is producing uh, good evidence. Now, we are Christian. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, I've seen God work in my life. I've seen God answer prayers. I, you know, and I, I know God's real. Mm -hmm. um, I know that God uh, has given us the Bible, and I, I believe what the Bible says. Um, but one... Uh, Kind of, I don't know if it's a criticism. It's actually maybe a compliment, but one statement that's made about the movie somewhat regularly is the following. I want to get your thoughts on it, just as as a Christian, as a minister, because uh, there's probably some good uh, and some maybe there's a little bit of something to think about. the The, the statement is this: the case for Christ asserts that only uh, one who chooses to ignore the evidence could fail to see that Jesus is Lord. Only one who chooses to ignore the evidence. Now, there's evidence, absolutely. I mean, we've all written and given sermons on you know, evidence. But um, how does you know, faith come in? And, and, and what, what maybe would you encourage people to do who go see the movie and maybe they're a little bit inspired? What would the next step be? You know, it, you know how do you prove this? Uh, how do you become a Christian? How do you really accept God? How do you really accept Jesus, is it all evidence-based? What are some of the next steps? What should you do with that? You know, I, I think you need to go back one step further, and that is, does God exist? And right. I, I know that Mr. Smith and I have both written and spoken on the subject of, of evolution and what the evidence is for that. I think the average person today doesn't comprehend right. how much evidence there is to show that uh, there has to be an intelligence behind life itself. Uh, when you look at a, a, a bacterial cell, I mean, the, the simplest cells, there's nothing simple about them. They're more complicated than an entire city or a, a chemical manufacturing plant. And that's no, that's no exaggeration. And scientists call these miniature uh, molecular machines that run it. And there's just, uh, so I think that the place to start is, does God exist? And, you know, if you can prove God exists, then you look at his word. And Isaiah uh, 52, 53 give a, a wonderful prediction of what the Messiah would do. 
and how he would be crucified and, and so forth or, or killed and uh, die for, for our sins. And we know from, from archaeology that uh, there is a scroll of Isaiah that's 125 to 200 years before Christ came on the scene, uh, before he was born. And uh, you can see that the, the book of the scroll, I think it's called in Jerusalem, has a, uh, you know, the, the, the whole scroll of Isaiah going around in a circle. And uh, so when you look at that, the evidence is there's tremendous evidence. And uh, anyway, it makes me think actually of an element of the, the movie gets across. I found that it seems like evidence alone generally isn't enough to convict one way or the other. You have to be willing to do something with it. And that was part of the theme, actually, of the movie. And the movie doesn't get all the details right. Let me just qualify that. You know, not, not every detail is right, to be sure. But you come to a point where you build up evidence. You have to make a decision to a certain extent. You have to – there has to be an element of will. Are you willing to believe? I find it interesting in, in that the Paul describes – or Luke describes in the book of Acts – the Bereans, that they received the word with gladness. They actually had a desire to know the truth. And if you go into a set of uh, facts with a preconceived idea, you're going to dismiss the facts you don't like and accept the ones you do and not change at all. But there is so much evidence. There ha it has to be mixed with a willingness to accept the evidence and to follow where it leads, even if it leads you to uncomfortable places. That's what I'd like to see in the movie. Uh, we've talked about this before, uh, that it'd be nice to see Lee Strobel discover uh, that, oh, this man, Jesus Christ, was really alive. He really died and was resurrected. So what did he actually teach? What did he actually preach to the world? What was the actual message? Because you take those same invest investigative journalism approach, you take that and apply it, and you'll discover it's not what people think it is either. And, and to go, go further, I have a commentary uh, that should be coming out this weekend that says the very same thing. I just, I wish that kind of strobel approach would just be taken further. You, you kind of wish that he would, he, he did a, the case for Christ. Now he needs to do the case for modern Christianity. And he's never investigated that. That's right. And you know, just taking off on what you said there, uh, being willing to look into the evidence, uh, the the Bible really tells us why people don't, because they don't want to obey God. The carnal mind, the natural mind of man is enmity against God. Right. It's not subject to the law of God. Uh, it doesn't want to believe God. It wants to right. do its own thing. In Romans, the first chapter, it shows that uh, sexual license is behind so much of this. People right. just want to do what they want to do, and they don't want God in their lives. That's why they're they're unwilling to look at the evidence. You know what you said, because uh, I, I, am, I am less modest, and I will advertise my own television program. We did a Tomorrow's World program called The Case Against That's Modern right. Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's searchable on the website. Type in The Case Against Modern Christianity. And I tried to do something sort of similar, kind of investigative in that way. Mm -hmm. if, we're going to, that. if we're going to be, uh, you know, and, and I give uh, Lee Strobel credit for being brave, mm -hmm. intellectually brave, and, and saying, look, uh, the evidence is leading me toward believing that there was a real historic figure who was uh, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and, you know, um, okay, but you, you, you can't stop there. You shouldn't mm -hmm. stop there. What did Jesus Christ teach? What did he teach? Yeah. Uh, so if he lived and if he died and if he died for our sins and was res resurrected and he's God, then what did he teach? And uh, the Bible's been preserved very, very well. We've talked about that right. as well. So, so what did he teach? Well, did he teach uh, worship him on Sunday, every, every Sunday? Well, you, you don't find that 
you know, as the one person asked. And, you know, what did he teach? And did he teach uh, go down to uh, the local, uh, you know, retailer and buy a bunch of uh, chocolate eggs and hide them? You know, he didn't teach that. So uh, what did he teach? And I think that, you know, is, is right. what you gentlemen were saying. You know, wow, that, that's really the untold part of or untold conversation or the untold sequel that should happen. Yeah, that's a sequel. a sequel that should happen. Right. And, it, and it just starts with, with Easter. I mean, Christmas, we can take Christmas right. part in the right. same way because it's, it's a fraud. Uh, and then you have heaven and hell and the immortal soul and a whole host of doctrines that when you really look into the Bible, it just doesn't say that. Right. Right. And so but what I would you know, encourage you know, our audience out there, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. More people. I, I see people from the Philippines, uh, from, from North Carolina, <laughs> from, uh, South, from South Africa. But mm -hmm. you know, if you're out there and you have questions, go to tomorrowsworld.org and just use the search feature and type in heaven, hell, Easter, resurrection, Easter eggs, the Christmas. The Bible says that. Or go to The Bible Says That. We have a really neat website called thebiblesaysthat.org, thebiblesaysthat.org. And uh, it's a real neat website, and things are organized by category. And you can just say, well, I want to read a few articles and watch a couple things about whatever. And it, it's right there. So uh, we, we want to give you resources. We're, we're here to serve you. We're here to talk about news, current events. But ultimately, you know, we're ministers, and we want to talk about the Bible and the truth and how people can, uh, can grow in their relationship with God. And um, and uh, hopefully we've we've done that to some extent for for some of you today. So uh, we are coming to about the conclusion of the show. If there's no final comments, you gentlemen want to make? No. Thank Dylan for the headsets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks so great. Yeah. I love it. Um, Dylan, do you want to uh, just remind everybody about next week? Sure, sure. Let me switch over here. Ah, hello. Hello again. So next week we are going to discuss World War III. Will it happen? Do we know when it will happen? There's a lot of news today about North Korea and Syria and some other terrible things that are happening in this world. So we do plan to discuss these things next week. So stay tuned for Tomorrow's World Now next week, 3 o'clock on Eastern Standard Time on Thursday right here. And please go to our website, twnow.org. We have many websites, as we've been discussing, but we do have twnow.org and tomorrowsworld.org. And we hope to see you next week right here at this same time and this same place. So for now, so long, friends. We'll see you next week.